The John Morris Show, episode 125. The John Morris Show. Your life on code. Ladies and gentlemen, John Morris. Hey everybody, welcome back to The John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. Got a couple things in the stack for you today I want to get through. One, I want to talk about the embarrassing secret that big tech companies don't want you to know. This this week, these episodes, YouTube, on the podcast, it's really all been about getting hired at a big tech company or, or a small tech company, but it's in comparison to freelancing, which is something I talk about quite a bit because it's something I did for a long time, but I've also worked at tech companies. I know a lot of people who do work at tech companies. You know, I got a family that work, two different family members that work in the tech industry. And so this is something that I wanted to go through that I maybe haven't done as much. So going to be doing that in in this episode. And there's there's this this secret that that big tech companies have, big companies really have that they don't want you to know. And when you find it out, you realize that you have an advantage in the hiring process. And you realize that you can probably get hired for a job that maybe you don't have all the 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 best qualifications for maybe you think you don't have the skills necessary to get that job you realize you can still get hired for it and work your way up from there once you know what the secret is and how to take advantage of it also i'm going to go further into that then and and show you some of the things and the the research that i've done and some of the statistics that really take this to the next level and show you how to take advantage of this and how to get hired in these interviews. Now, before I do that, as I've been saying on all the YouTube videos and the podcast and so forth, I've been changing up the way I'm doing things and I'm I'm really trying to put the right kind of content in the right format in the right place for you. So, if you've been listening to the podcast, then you know that I've been doing these longer form podcasts. And obviously, you want to continue to stay subscribed and get access to these to continue to get this kind of long form information. I'm doing the shorter videos over on YouTube. I'm doing the tech tutorials on YouTube. If you want to get subscribed over there to see those, then you can go to johnmorrisonline.com slash YouTube and you'll be get access, be able to get access to that. But I want to encourage you, if you haven't yet, to subscribe to the the podcast on iTunes or Android so that you make sure and get every episode. It gets automatically downloaded to your phone uh, gets gets pinned so that if you're out on the go in the car, you got a trip. You know, this is one of the things that I've been doing is I'm subscribed to a number of podcasts. And whenever I'd go on a long trip, I'd always listen to music. And what I found is because each song is usually three to four minutes long, it kind of almost starts to make the trip feel longer because I my mind recognizes I'm going through so many songs and I only can get wrapped up in one song for three to four minutes. Whereas when I listen to a podcast that's maybe hour, an hour and a half long, when I get wrapped up into what that person is saying, before I know it, 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes have gone by. And so I, I found a lot of value, especially when driving and so forth in these sorts of podcasts. One of the reasons why I wanted to start doing it again, because I wanted to give that to you guys in form of tech information. All right. So again, uh, I want to encourage you to get subscribed and I want to encourage you to share the show with people, other developers you think could benefit from this. And I really want to get this out to as many people as I can, really help benefit as many developers as I can and, and reach them and give them this information. And I can really only do that with your help. So if you wouldn't mind sharing an episode or two with some developers you know who 
think could benefit from those episodes. I really appreciate it. All right. Uh, to get subscribed, johnmorrisonline.com slash iTunes for your Apple device and johnmorrisonline.com slash Android for your Android device. All right. But before today, before I get into what I want to talk about, I have a, a little bit of a rant and it, it comes from YouTube. I know YouTube comments are a bit of a war zone. And so I, I don't necessarily have super high expectations, but whenever I see something that I think it, it belies kind of a mindset that I think is really limiting and hurting people and, and something that I think more maybe developers, a mindset more developers have, I like to try to address it. And so the one that I want to address today, I'm addressing a specific comment, but I see this a lot. I get this a lot on YouTube, via email, uh, Twitter, Facebook, etc. I get this a lot. So I know that more people kind of think this way. And I think it's very, very dangerous. And as a matter of fact, if I get up on my soapbox for a little bit and start going old, old grandpa, get off my grass mode. I think that a lot of, you know, some of the issues that we see with society, especially here in America, come back to this. And so I think it's important to address. So I got a comment over on YouTube and the comment was, it was really simple, but it said, you talk too much. And it's on a video on how to build a social network. Now, you know, again, at first blush, that may seem innocent enough. Maybe just be someone being a jerk. But I get this kind of comment in a similar vein all the time. People talking, you know, you talk too much. This video's too long. Why does it take... It's all about them not wanting to sit through the length of a particular video. Now, again, this is on how to build a social network. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a nearly two-hour video. But, you know, building a social network isn't a five-minute ordeal, right? I mean, I don't get me wrong. I wish it was. I wish it was that simple. I wish it was that easy. Although, then again, maybe not because then everybody would do it. But people like this guy and people who have this similar mindset, who they don't deserve to be able to do it. Because they don't have the work ethic. They're not committed. I mean, if, if you're going to complain about an in-depth video on how to build a social network, you can, com- you, can, you can make critiques about whether what's covered is relevant anymore, whether the actual content of it. But to just look at the length of the video and be like, Ugh, too long, don't want to do it. I don't know what to tell you. Then I get people who complain about the 18 second intro on my videos. Now I've gone ahead and got rid of the, the, the intro on my videos. It's still here on the podcast, but I mean, I have people who comment all the time. Oh, that intro is so long. I, I skip it every time. That's one I got recently. It's 18 seconds. Again, you could talk about the content of it, but to act like 18 seconds is just this massive drain on your life? Good Lord. So if you're one of these people who maybe thinks this way a little bit or if this has come up for you, 
I'm going to be a little bit in your face because if 18 seconds is a roadblock for you, then I honestly don't know what to tell you. Coding is not going to be your thing because this gets much, much harder. Right? When, you're, when you're up at three in the morning, you have a deadline for the next morning for a client or for your boss or whatever. You have a difficult coding problem that you've been trying to figure out. This gets much, much harder. So if 18 seconds is a problem for you or a two-hour video on that gives you everything you need to build a social network, if, if that's a struggle for you, then I don't know if coding is, is the thing for you to, for you to get involved with. I, I don't know if you have what it takes to be able to do this long-term because it takes a much greater commitment. It takes being able to go through tedious things. Now, look, people can make valid critiques, but to me it's the drama, the, oh my God, this is so horrible attitude. What I think it ultimately comes back to is most people will look for an excuse to fail. They're not, I, people are scared of failure, but I think more so they're scared of success and what it will mean for them in their life, the responsibility it will entail. And I've been there. I've been through that. And so I've experienced it too, and I understand it. But here's the lesson. Here's, here's the, all about this, all the drama, all the, look, nobody cares. Nobody cares if you have a successful life. Nobody cares if you get the things that you want. Nobody cares, ultimately, if you don't get the things that you want. They've got their own stuff to worry about. They don't care if you ever make it. They don't care if you're miserable or not for the rest of your life. They don't care if you feel underused and insignificant. Now, you have family and friends that care about you, but ultimately, when it, you really get down to the bottom of it, they don't care. They've got their own stuff to worry about. You might be able to find one or two people, if, you luck, if you're lucky, that actually does. Everybody else could care less, couldn't care less. And so they don't care when you project that onto them with your little gotchus that make you feel better about yourself, but actually get you nothing of value. Well, no, I don't. These comments, people always think that I, I bring these up because I feel offended or <laughs> I don't care. I bring them up because there's a lesson. So the only person who ultimately cares about you is you. And so the point is, you got to stop making excuses. If you really want this, the two-hour video is no big deal. Because trust me, it's going to get worse. It's going to get harder. The 18-second intro is no big deal. Because I know it's going to get harder than that. If you don't have what it takes to get through that, then I don't know what to tell you. All right, I got to take a break. Coming up, we're going to get into then the secret the big tech companies don't want you to know. The thing that most developers will never know about getting hired at a big tech company. And I'm going to show you some things that I've learned getting hired for jobs that I had no business getting hired for. All that coming up after the break. You're listening to The John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com.
You know, one of the big mistakes that I see a lot of developers make is they make learning how to code much harder than it has to be. For example, I see a lot of developers who think the list of skills that they need to learn to master PHP is pages and pages and pages long. It's not. Now, I've said this before, and I will definitely say it again, but there's a foundational set of skills that you need to learn in order to be functional as a PHP developer, meaning that you can execute on projects and get paid. This is the fallacy that is so prevalent in the PHP developer community, that there's this ideal set of skills that you have to learn and that you have to be the absolute greatest developer in the history of mankind in order to be able to get paid to code. You don't. You simply need to be able to execute on projects. I talk about end results all the time. You need to be able to deliver end results to clients because that's ultimately what they want. But when you focus on these found foundational skills and learning only those first, the things that will allow you to execute on projects, what you realize is that you can start getting paid to code much faster than you probably ever thought because you haven't set this idealistic, unattainable bar for yourself to reach before you allow yourself to take paid work. You can start now when you can execute on a deliverable, when you can complete a, a single project, when you can create a contact form or a business website, when you can execute on that, you can start. And you can start then building the life that you wanted that you got into this all for the, in the first place instead of continuing to slave away at some job making somebody else rich. Anyway, you can learn these skills in my free course, The Beginner's Guide to PHP, which you can enroll in at johnmorrisonline.com slash learnphp. And it's going to teach you these foundational skills so you can get started right now. Again, it's a completely free course that you can take at johnmorrisonline.com slash learnphp. Don't wait on this. Head over there right now and get started building that life. All right, hey everybody, welcome back to the John Morris Show, johnmorrisonline.com. All right, so I want to I want to set this up for you. There's a couple stories that of things that have happened to me that 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 lead me have led me to all of this to kind of figure this out. So this was uh, several years ago, and I remember walking into the interview room, and I I I could remember clearly that I thought the jig was up. I knew that something was up and that I had been found out. And so what had happened is I just got hired back to a company that several months earlier I had walked out on mid-shift. And not only had they hired me back, but I had be getting a promotion to a management position. So this was a factory. It was in a town that I lived in at the time. And I had just come back from uh, being deployed to Iraq and when I got back, I was uh, I was in a really bad spot. I've kind of talked about this before, but I had no place to live, no car, you know, no job. I really had nothing. And so I was scrambling and I only had a few days of leave 
because of some medical issues that happened with family members. So I was scrambling to kind of get things figured out and I just needed to get a job as quickly as possible. And so I took a job working in the factory on the line, even though I had had prior management experience, uh, successful management experience, both in the military and civilian wise. I just took a job, you know, working in the factory so I could get something. Well, <laughs> I wasn't cut out for it. I, it was just something I, some people love that stuff. I just couldn't do it. And so I think I was there for several, a few weeks and then I was done. And I, one day I just was like, I can't do this anymore. And so I walked out mid shift of, of the, the factory. It was, I remember it was like the, the morning break, like nine fifteen break. I went on break. I went out to my car and I, I just never came back. And then several months later, I came back. I, I had kind of got things settled and I was now ready to kind of go for the job I wanted. So I had applied for a management position there. And so I knew going in that I had walked out. I knew, I, I assumed that this was going to come up, but it never did. And so I wondered why they had never asked about it during the interviews. The whole time during the interview, I was waiting for them to ask me about it. Well, as it turns out, there was a glitch in their system that had identified, failed to identify me as a former employee. So they didn't know. I didn't know that. But they didn't know that I had worked there before. And so that's how I got through all the interviews without it coming up. Well, that glitch had got fixed. And now, just a couple of days into my new job, they found out. And so I was told that I needed to go to a meeting with the head of HR, who was a, you, know, you think of HR, you know, people as being really kind of, I think the stereotype is they're, they're kind of laid back and they're more really open-minded. Not this guy. This guy was hard nose. So I'd walked into the meeting with the head of HR and I wasn't told what for. I was just told I needed to meet with HR. But when I had been told, but when I had been told that and told that the HR head of HR would talk to me, I was pretty sure I knew about what I was like, okay, now here it is. And so then in my mind, I started to, I started to wonder like, why are they talking? What's going on? Why is it now? Like, why wouldn't they talk to me about it? They give me the job. Now they're, so I was, I was somewhat confused, but I had an idea of what this was going to be about. And when I walked in the room and I saw his face, I knew he wasn't there to have a conversation. He was there to gotcha and catch me. And they, he wanted me fired and he wanted to run me out of the building because I think he was embarrassed because this glitch, this process was one he had set up or helped set up. So he's embarrassed that I had slipped through his quote unquote foolproof process. And so when I went in and sat down to talk to him, I will never forget. He tried to set, set a trap for me. He tried to trap me. He tried to get me to lie right there because there were other people in the room. There were like two other people who had done the interviews with me in the room. And so I think he was, I think they were on my side. They wanted me to stay. Well, I, actually, I know that as of what happened later in the conversation, but they wanted me to stay and he wanted me gone. And so he wanted to trap me and catch me lying right in front of them because then he could say, okay, see, look, he lied about it. We have to let him go. I was right. So 
immediately I knew this was a trap. The whole, the whole time I'd been doing the interviews, the thing was, is I had put in my cover letter. I talked about this in my cover letter. I wasn't trying to hide it. But I also, when they weren't asking me the questions about it, I wasn't going to tell them. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't going to give them the information and be like, hey, why haven't you asked me about this yet? So I had, there were certain questions that I'd answered in a certain way. For example, in the interview, they'd asked me, what, when, you, when you get hired for a management position, they take you a tour on the, of the factory. Now, they really like their factory. And it is. It's clean. They do a good job. But they're really proud of it. So they, they, they want to hear you say, oh, yeah, it's the best factory I've ever seen, blah, blah, blah. So they had asked me about it. Well, I had already been in it bef- from before. I'd walked through it. I worked there. So I knew what it was like. So when they asked me about it, I didn't didn't say – one of the things they had said was like, is, had you ever, have you ever seen anything like that before? And so I answered it not I – didn't, I didn't answer it like I had never been in the factory before. But I also didn't say that I had been in there and worked there before. So I, I, I was. I was walking this fine line. So he was trying to catch me with that, but I was already prepared because I'd been through it with the interviews. So again, I immediately knew it was a trap when he asked me, he asked me, so how have the first date, a few days been going? And what did you think the factory have been, having been through it the last few days? So he was trying to get me to kind of, to oversell it, right? He was trying to get me, he was wanting me to talk a lot and say something that made it clear that I was trying to cover up the fact that I'd worked there before. And I knew that's what he was trying to do. So I knew to say as little as possible. So I said, yep, you know, it looks good. It's clean, well run, you know, it's nice. Like I didn't, I didn't fall for it. I didn't go for it. But he knew, he immediately tried to, you know, he had this trap in his head. So he immediately went for it. So as soon as I said that, he said, was it the same as it was the first time you went through it? When you worked here before and walked out? <laughs> and if you could have seen his face, like he's like a five-year-old who just told a fart joke, right? Like he, he thought he had me dead to rights. He had cornered me. He'd put me in a spot and he was, he, he'd caught me. He'd got me and he could see on his face. He was just like, gotcha. But I knew it was coming and I knew confidence and keeping calm was the way through this kind of thing that just being blatant, blunt, almost shockingly honest was the only way that I was going to save my job. So I said very calmly without flinching, without my face turning red, without anything. I said, yeah, it's about the same. (laughs) When I said that, I thought his head was going to explode because he wasn't ready for that. Suddenly, it was his face turning red. It was him scrambling for words. It was him completely caught off guard. He's, he wasn't expecting me to come out and just admit it. And I knew it was over. In fact, one of the other ladies in the room that, like I said, ultimately was on my side and wanted me to stay, almost, I could see her face. She, she almost started laughing because she knew the trap he was setting and i just blown it up. And so he stumbled through trying to grill me, but we all knew it was over. 
As a matter of fact, one of the ladies had asked me, she had said something along the lines of, you know, at one point you knew this was coming. And I said, I actually put it back on them. I said, well, yeah, I didn't understand because I didn't understand why this didn't come up in the interview. I was waiting for you guys to ask me about an interview and you never did. I said, I put it in my cover letter. And they had my 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 whole application right there. And sure enough, they were like, as soon as I said that, they were like, their eyes kind of flipped and they, they started flipping through the pages and they found it and they read it. And they were like, oh. So I threw it back on them. I was like, I put it in the cover letter. I, I don't know why it wasn't asked about in the interview. And I just assumed the cover letter took care of it. I thought maybe at some point it might come up. And so it just completely blew up his his whole thing. And so eventually he sent me back down to the floor. He wrote up his little report and I stayed on as a manager. And I had to talk to my, you know, I was a, a line manager. We had a plant manager, et cetera. So I had to talk to my boss about it later that day. And they told me formally that they were going to keep me on. And the reason why I bring up this whole story is the reason why I remember sitting down with my plant manager. The reason why they kept me on is what's important here. And so what he told me was they really thought that I was a good fit. They assumed that, you know, having been just a few days back from Iraq before was some of why I'd walked out, which that was part of it. And that they believed in me. And the big reason why is I had done so well in the interview. I had aced the interview. Now, I want you to think about that for a second. Imagine you're in charge of people and you have an employee who in his action actions has walked out on your company mid shift and you could maybe make the argument that I that that person had lied on their application in order to get hired again I didn't I addressed it head on the cover letter which apparently they didn't read but if you were being one sided you could maybe make that accusation but so you have this employee who in their actions has shown you this but you keep him on because of what he said in an interview. So you overlook actions for words. That should tell you something about companies like this. And this was no small fry company. At that time, around that time, they were, they like to brag about, they were on Forbes's 100 best companies to work for list, like year after year after year. And they were also around that time, I think they kind of off and on, one year would be on, one year would be off, et cetera. But they were on the Forbes's 500 largest private companies list. So this was a big company. I believe their revenue at the time was in the billions. I have no idea now. Who knows? They may not even exist. I haven't looked at them. But at the time, they were a big company who you would think would know better. So this was no mom and pop shop. So what does all of this tell you? It shows you how desperate these companies are for good employees. So desperate that they'll overlook what someone has done and rely on what they said because they aced the interview. What that means is these companies want to believe. And, and, And this leads into the big secret they don't want you to know. That they go out of their way to make sure you don't find out. 
And that is, they need you more than you need them. And if you can say the right things in the right way and tell them what they want to hear and make them believe it, they'll ignore almost everything else to hire you. Just like they did with me. Now, if they'll ignore me walking out on them, showing them disrespect, disloyalty, unreliability, blatantly in their face, if they'll ignore that, then they'll ignore you maybe not having all the exact skills that they're after, or you being fresh out of college, or maybe you being a little bit older. If they can ignore blatant, open betrayal and disloyalty, there's a lot they'll ignore. But they only do it if you put on a show for them in your interview and sweep them off their feet. Now, no, this isn't about lying or being slick. I never once lied in my interview. And you don't need to bust out your fake smile and your hair wax to do this. In fact, when I'm in interviews, I'm probably, most people try to be super, super bubbly. I'm probably grumpier than most people you interview. I'm, I'm not someone who's super bubbly in my interviews. But I know what to say to make them believe. I know, and this is the, if you're going to write anything down, write this one down. I know how to tell them what they want to hear in a way they'll believe. That's what we're really doing. Now, here just recently, as a side note, I released the first lesson in a video series I'm doing over on Patreon called Ace the Interview. And in that first lesson, you'll learn what I did to sweep this company off its feet and get them to hire me, even though I had blatantly walked out of them just a few months before. So this is for you if you're someone who's not interested in freelancing. If you'd like to get hired with a tech uh, tech firm and work a simple nine to five job, making good money, doing something you love and enjoy, but you're worried that maybe nobody will hire you, they will. And in this first video, I'm going to show you why. So if you want to get access to that, you can go to johnmorrisonline.com slash Patreon and sign up for the exclusive courses supporter lesson. Lesson one should be one of the first things that you see there. But I want to keep going with this because there's, taking it further, there's something, there's a secret that most developers will never know about getting hired at a tech company. And I'm frankly surprised that more developers don't do this. But I'm getting ahead of myself. There's another experience that I've had that illustrates this. I want to tell you about that. So this was prior to the the story I just told you. In fact, this was the first time that I got hired at this company where I ended up walking out. And so I was in an interview and the lady that was interviewing me, when I said this, I thought she was going to jump out of her chair. Uh, and, And it was the first time that I had tried it. And to me, it felt kind of like like I was pandering a little bit. It felt a little bit awkward because it was the first time I had done it. And so I knew my delivery was a bit off. I knew it came out a bit funny. But apparently, from her reaction, it didn't matter. Because as soon as I said it, her eyes lit up. I could see her eyes flicker. And she got this wry little smile on her face. Now, she was an experienced interviewer, so she tried to hide it. She knew not to just immediately 
jump out of her chair and start screaming, we found one. But several years of sales had taught me how to read people. And so I was, I was pretty good at it. And I knew that she was excited. I could see her immediate re- uncontrollable reaction. And so again, I was at, this was the very, very first interview in a series of interviews I did for that job. And at the time I really needed that job. And so the whole interview, I had been waiting for an opening. I'd been waiting for a question that was a natural fit for me to demonstrate and to signal to them that I was a good fit culturally because I had studied them and I knew that culture was a huge thing for them. And so finally she had asked one. She asked, what about you? What do you look for for a company? And that was it. I knew I had my opening and, and I could go in for the kill. So what I said was really cliche. I said, well, I look for a company that has a clear idea of its cultures and value values and really tries to live them every day. A company that values its employees and really body, embodies the ideas of teamwork and a people-focused culture. Now, and I went on for a few minutes, but my entire spiel was straight from their website. This was essentially exactly what I just told, read to you was exactly what they said on their website. I just used my own words. And as a matter of fact, I pulled out some of the buzzwords like people focused culture, teamwork. These were some of the buzzwords that they had used on the website. I pulled those out and put them into my spiel. So I was just basically regurgitating their value statement back to them just in my own words. And then, like I said, I threw in those buzzwords. I used some examples from my life as a sort of proof that these were things that that I valued, not me just telling them what they wanted to hear, which is important, which we'll get to. And voila, I I saw her reaction. I knew I had her eating out of the palm of my hand. And at that point, it was over. I knew it. She knew it. I was getting hired. So, yeah, she did the normal, well, well, you know, it was a like this company does a series of interviews. She said, well, we'll get back to you, blah, blah, blah. But I got hired. And they were like really, really excited about me getting hired there. And if you think about it, it's kind of silly. I mean, I've done this so many times since. And honestly, I'm always surprised (laughs) that it still works. It shouldn't be that easy. But what it tells you is that other people that are interviewing don't do it. And it's stupid easy. So here's what you do. First off, you research the company like I did. You, you look for their vision, mission, and value statements. You get an idea of what's important to them. Know what the buzzwords are. Know who you're going in to interview with. I don't tell you the person, but the company as a whole and what they stand for. So research the company. The second thing is write out a spiel that shows that you value what they do. A spiel that signals to them that you're a good fit culturally. And then in the interview, just regurgitate those things back to them. You can interject it into different answers where it makes sense if you know what the things they value are. You can write out a spiel and kind of rehearse it and memorize it that you can then use at some point in the interview. But somewhere in the interview, you need to signal to them that your values and their values are aligned, that you're a good fit culturally. Now, if you do that, I'm convinced 
from having done it so much myself, that doing that one single thing will increase your chance of getting hired five or tenfold. Because the companies that take the, the time to write out a vision, mission, and value statement really care about them. At least they pretend to. They've convinced themselves that they care about these things. So when you signal that you know what their values are and you kind of pretend along with them, again, it becomes this weird kind of virtue signaling. You're signaling to them that you are a good fit culturally. And when you do that, they're almost forced to hire you. Because if they didn't, then they must not really value what they say they do. Almost all of these companies that do this will tell you that culture fit is more important than skills and qualifications. You've probably heard that plenty of times before. So if in their hiring process, you signal that you're a good fit culturally, but maybe don't have the qualifications, if that outweighs, if qualifications outweigh culture and hiring, then they must not really care about their culture. It must not be important as they say it is. At least that's the thoughts that you make go through their head when you do this. And so it becomes a tough kind of cognitive dissonance for them. It's hard for them to reconcile the two. And it puts the pressure on them to hire you. Otherwise, they risk to themselves signaling that they don't believe what they say they believe. And all of that works to your advantage. But all of this goes back to a larger point I always make about companies, their hiring processes. They really have no clue. Now, some companies think they do. This company thought they did, but most don't. I, I worked my way through this hiring process twice. One in a situation I had no business getting through. So they thought they had it figured out, but they didn't. In relation to that, there's some, some, some stats that really kind of prove this. So did you know that 66% of companies say they've experienced negative effects from a bad hire? And 10% of those say that bad hires led directly to a loss of sales for their business. And 18% of those say that it has ruined or it's affected client relationships. According to Harvard Business Review, 80% of employee turnover is due to bad hiring decisions. And in a study, 36% of the 1,400 executives surveyed claimed the leading factor of a failed hire outside of performance problems is a poor skills match. And these numbers, haven't, they don't dramatically get better each year. You know, companies are facing these same problems year after year after year, in roughly the same numbers. So these companies know they're hiring the wrong people for the wrong jobs. They know that it's ruining employee morale and client relationships. And they know it's costing them money. Yet they continue to do it year after year. Again, this is a big advantage for you, the hiree. In fact, this is the same advantage I used to get hired for jobs that I had no business getting hired for. Jobs I wasn't qualified for or had demonstrated to that company I was unreliable. Well, these two stories, the first time I interviewed, I really wasn't qualified. The second time I interviewed, I had demonstrated that I was unreliable. I also got hired for a sales job uh, later on that 
compared to the other people that got hired, my qualifications were not even close. I didn't have near the sales experience. I got hired for a management job in half the time most people uh, do at another company. And it was all because of this stuff, not because of my qualifications. Now, I've always readily admitted that I'm not great at being an employee, which is why I now run my own business. But I was able to get through and get hired for these jobs when I had no business uh, getting hired for them because I was able to take advantage of this and, and ace these interviews. And so you can do the same. This isn't something special about me. It's just knowing what to do. And you can leverage this same advantage to land you a high-paying tech job even when you don't have all the skills required. As a matter of fact, this is the exact same stuff I taught my little brother when he went and applied at IBM for a Java application developer position and didn't know any Java. And they knew he didn't know any Java. Yet he was able to ace the interview and he got hired. And now, just a few years later, I think it's only been three or four years, he now works for another company that's one of Fortune's 500 fastest growing companies. And he makes a six-figure income. And that's the thing about this. Is if you're a good worker, if you're a good employee, if you can get your foot in the door, someone who's responsible, works hard, you don't have to be the greatest employee ever. You just have to be a good employee, not be a dirtbag. But if you can get your foot in the door, you are so rare. That's what you have to understand. If you're reliable, if, if, if you're someone who they can count on, and, and you're semi-with-it intelligence-wise, you don't have to be a genius, but you're just not doing stupid things like you know, not following through on projects, showing up late all the time. If you're just a normal, regular, good employee, you're so rare that if you can get your foot in the door, you can move up quickly. And that's exactly what my little brother did. You know, he, he, he just... He talks to me about it all the time. It baffles him, some of the people that he works with, and the way that they are. And then they wonder why they don't get promoted. Showing up late, not knowing what their job is, not not taking the time to figure out what they're supposed to do, not getting things done, and then they wonder why they don't move up. So again, if you can get your foot in the door, then you can really move quickly, especially in the tech industry, because... There's so much room for growth, and it's moving so quickly. Anyway, again, as I mentioned earlier, lesson one of my ACE the Interview series, which I just released on Patreon, I'm going to show you how to do this. And again, this is for you if you're not into freelancing and would really prefer a more normal 9-to-5 job doing something you love. So again, all you got to do is sign up at the exclusive courses support level at johnmorrisonline.com slash Patreon. And lesson one should be right towards the top of your Patreon feed. And then I'll be releasing the future lessons. Right now I've planned a total of six lessons over the coming weeks. And I'm going to walk you through this entire process of learning how to ace the interview, get hired at these tech companies, and be able to get your foot in the door and move up from there. All right, so again, johnmorrisonline.com slash Patreon to support the show and get access to that Ace the Interview series. All right, that'll do it for 
this episode. Thanks for listening. If you like this episode, be sure to like it or leave me a review over on iTunes at johnmorrisonline.com slash iTunes. That helps get the word out about the show. Also lets me know what kind of content you like. So I'd appreciate that. If you know, as I mentioned earlier, a developer who could stand to hear this, to, to get this information, who maybe someone who's wanting to get a tech job but worried they don't have all the skills, I'd appreciate if you'd share it with them. Uh, and if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe. You can do so, johnmorrisonline.com slash iTunes for your Apple device, johnmorrisonline.com slash Android for your Android device. And on both of those and the desktop, uh, you can also subscribe on SoundCloud at johnmorrisonline.com slash SoundCloud. SoundCloud has an app for both Android and Apple. They also have obviously their website. So SoundCloud's kind of a universal one. You can can find it uh, there on any device. All right, that'll do it for the show. Again, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.